this morning. <clears throat> First of all, pray for my voice. I suddenly feel like I'm going to lose my voice this morning, but I know that Christ can restore that. This morning, we are going to be continuing our journey through the book of Philippians this morning. And as we do that, each time that we open this uh, sermon series in the book of Philippians, I want us to start by reviewing two important pieces of information. First of all, when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he wrote it from prison. And he wrote it to the church in Philippi somewhere between A.D. 55 and A.D. 62. And as we look at the book of Philippians in its entirety, it becomes really easy to see a common theme that just continues to present itself over and over throughout the book of Philippians. And that common theme is this, that Paul rejoices in his partnership with the Philippians. And he does that in the midst of adversity. So this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 19. And at this point, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's Word? Again, Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 19. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy's proven worth, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Would you pray with me just a moment? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, now I pray, just as my brother Tony prayed earlier, that you will hide me behind your cross, that cross that you gave your life on. Lord, I pray I pray that your anointing will be upon me from my feet to my head. Lord, I pray that I will point them to you and to the cross. Father, I pray that when they look at me, they'll see a reflection of you. Father, may you be glorified in this place today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
Now, this morning's message is titled this, Humble Service Standing Out from the Crowd. Humble Service Standing Out from the Crowd. And I want to represent to you this morning, just right at the beginning, if you serve in the right way and in the right motive, if you serve with a life full of humility, can I just say you will stand out from the crowd. You will stand out from the crowd if you serve with a life Full of humility. Now I want to remind you, so far through the book of Philippians, we have seen Paul demonstrate to us how we can have joy in the midst of adversity. We have seen Paul demonstrate to us how we can truly rejoice always, even when our circumstances are far less than desirable. Paul demonstrated the scriptures that he wrote to us when he told us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We saw, we saw Paul demonstrate that to us. We have seen wonderful examples of humility last Sunday by both Jesus and also Paul himself. And I want to talk just a moment about the example that Jesus gave us of humility. If you'll remember last week, we talked about that the scripture pointed out that he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we talked about why that is so very significant. And I just want to mention it one more time before we jump into the text this morning. Crucifixion, death by crucifixion, was the most horrible way of execution that the Romans had. They typically reserved crucifixion for the worst of the worst. Typically, people who were crucified by the Romans were either foreigners or slaves that had committed horrible, horrible crimes. And they put them to death by execution through crucifixion. But Jesus, our Savior, he had committed absolutely no crime, no crime whatsoever, yet he was willing to die on that cross for me and for you. And you know, this morning I am convinced that there's many people throughout our world today that know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus at all. There are many people who could tell us many things about Jesus, but they don't have a true and genuine relationship with him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I want to ask you this morning, are, are you sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior and the Lord? Because as we talked last week, the day is coming. The day is coming where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is coming. That day is coming. Now, for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, who have repented of our sins and asked Him to be our Lord and Savior, that's going to be a great day. That is going to be a great day when we see Him face to face. But for people whose lives on earth have ended without them professing Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's going to be a horrible day for them. Although on that day their knees will bow and their tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, it will be too late 
for them because their eternity will be spent in heaven. In, in, excuse me, in hell, not in heaven. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know him today? Do you know him today? Now this morning we are going to see two more excellent examples in our scripture of humility. And the first one is going to be from Timothy. Now as we begin to look at our text this morning, we're going to see that Paul gets personal with us again. Now remember... Paul and Timothy had ministered together in Rome. And that's the reason, like when we look at Philippians 1.1, that's the reason that Timothy is referenced there at that point in Scripture. But Paul is being very transparent with the people that he is writing this letter to, which today is us. But Paul is expecting to be released from prison. Remember, Paul knows that he has done nothing wrong. But Paul also does not necessarily have faith in the legal system of that day. And so he needs Timothy right now. He doesn't want to send Timothy anywhere right now because Paul needs him. Paul needs him. And so he writes to the Philippians and he says, I hope to be able to send Timothy so that soon I may be cheered by news of you. And I think that is significant this morning. I want to be sure that we don't miss here that Paul is expecting the news that Timothy will report back to him once he sends him is going to be so good that he's going to be cheered by it. Now, isn't that wonderful? And it caused me to stop and ask myself the question, do I have that same expectation of others? Do we as a church have that same expectation? The people that have come to know Jesus Christ through ministries of this church, the people that we have walked beside, the people that we have poured ourselves into that are no longer worshiping at this church right now. Maybe they've moved away. Maybe they've gone to another church. Do we have such a high expectation that when, when we hear news of them that it's going to be so good that we're going to be cheered by it? Or do we set the expectation too low? Do you ever think about it like that? You see, introducing somebody to Jesus is the easy part. If there is an easy part, that's the easy part, introducing them to Jesus. The difficult part is walking by them, walking with them, pouring ourselves into them, showing them what living a life in Jesus Christ truly looks like. That's the difficult part, but that is the part that it's so very worth it. And if we do that, and and somebody unites with another church. When we hear news from them, do we expect that it's going to be such good news that it's going to cheer us up? Or do we think it's going to be news that will drag us down? I think that we need to set that expectation high. Remember, it's John that writes to us and reminds us in 3 John 1, 4, where he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, when, when John writes this, he's not talking about biological children here. 
He is talking about people who have come to know Jesus through his ministry. He has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. And I, I just want to ask us again, do we display that same degree of joy that we lead to Christ, of people that we lead to Christ? Now, Paul explains to us in verse 20 that Paul has nobody else like Timothy. No, there is nobody else in Paul's eyes that, that is as high as Timothy. Timothy is genuinely concerned for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy has laid his personal preferences aside, and he has taken what he believes is God's will. That is what he is concerned about. He is not concerned anymore about his personal preferences. And as a result, his life was full of humility, and he stood out above the rest of the crowd. Now, there were other people in that same group that Paul is referencing here that he couldn't say the same thing about because those people had selfish interests. But Timothy had put those interests aside to concentrate on the interest of Christ. And as a result, Timothy lived a life full of humility. And I want to be sure that we get the connection here. Timothy had observed Paul. Paul's life that was full of humility. He observed him. He walked with him. And now Timothy is living that exact same type of life, one that truly honors Jesus Christ. And I want us to always remember that people, whether we see it or not, People are constantly watching us. They're watching to see how we're going to respond in situations that might not go our way. They want to know, will we respond in such a way that honors Christ, or are we going to look like the world? You know, as far as I know, Paul had no biological children, but we do know from Scripture that Paul treated Timothy like a son. Hear me when I say this this morning. Every young Christian, whether that person's physical age is 9 or 90 or 100, every new Christian needs a mature believer to walk beside them. Someone who will show them what it truly likes, looks like to live a life that honors Jesus Christ, it is important. How else will they know? When people come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, at that moment, they're spiritual infants. They are spiritual infants. Now, just like we wouldn't leave a newborn baby without any way to get food and nourishment, we, we can't leave a new Christian without a way to get nourishment spiritually we've got to be willing to show them what it looks like what it looks like to honor a life that honors jesus christ paul reminds these people that they know they know timothy's proven worth they know it they have their eyes have seen it they know that how as a son with a father he has served with paul in the gospel, he's reminding them again, I want to send him. I hope to send him. 
but I just can't quite do it yet. And then we see another example of humility. And it's by this man named Epaphroditus. And I just want to ask you a question this morning. Let's suppose right now I ask you to take a scratch sheet of paper and write the top five people that you would consider to be heroes in the faith that you see from Scripture. Would anybody put Epaphroditus on the list? Would any of us put Epaphroditus on the list? I wouldn't. Why? Because we don't hear a lot about him, do we? We don't hear a lot about this man named Epaphroditus. You see, I believe this man was just a common person who sat under Paul's preaching, who came to follow Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was an ordinary person, just like you and just like me. None of us would probably consider Epaphroditus as a hero of the faith. But I want to remind you this morning, he was important enough to Paul to mention this man in Scripture as an example of humility. So I say all that to say this this morning. During your Christian walk, you may not realize that you're making any difference whatsoever. But I want you to hear me this morning and be encouraged. If you are doing what God places on your mind, on your heart today as His will, if you are doing that, then you are making a difference for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, whether or not your eyes ever see it. Be faithful. Keep on. Seek the Lord. Seek His strength. Seek His presence continually and do what He says. Even if you don't end up on anybody's top five list as heroes of the faith, that does not mean that Christ is not using you to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Keep on keeping on. Keep on seeking God's will. So as we look at this man named Epaphroditus... He caused it, like when I was preparing for today, he caused me to look at this section of Scripture in a way that I had never quite seen it before. Epaphroditus was serving. He was serving. He served at the Philippian church. The Philippians thought so highly of him, they sent Epaphroditus to minister to the needs of Paul. Paul thought highly of him. But he served to such a degree that he made himself sick. This man is both homesick and he is physically sick. We're going to see here just in a moment that Paul's going to say this man was at the point of death. He was at the point of death and it was due in large part to how he was serving, I believe, neglecting his own health for the needs of others. And we, can you just hear me this morning? I am saying this absolutely in love, and I want you to hear it that way. Sometimes it is easy to get to the point of where we serve, 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 serve. We can be serving in ways that are all good and are all needed. But if we serve 
it's such a degree that we are never being personally fed if we are not personally involved in Bible study, if we are personally not sitting under the preaching of God's Word, then serving in all of those various ways, it can easily turn from a good thing to a bad, bad thing. Just as physical people need nourishment. We we all need nourishment physically. Not one of us would argue with that. If we miss very many meals, we're going to be hungry and we're going to be looking for food. And I want to ask us this morning, are you personally being spiritually fed? This man named Epaphroditus, he had neglected his own needs to minister to people to the point that he made himself sick to the point of death. Paul points out in verse 27, he, this man was at the point of death. But then I want to make sure that you don't miss this, but God had mercy on him. Can we say praise God for God's mercy this morning? God had mercy on this man. Can you think of a time in your life where you could say praise God that God had mercy on me? And I think that list could be endless We should be so thankful for God's mercy. But Paul points out here in our text that, yes, God did indeed have mercy upon him. But God also had mercy upon Paul. And then he says, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, I suspect that Paul, being as bold as he was, when he references something as sorrow upon sorrow, that would be bad. That would be bad, and it would be a far stretch from what John describes in his gospel as grace upon grace. Grace upon grace versus sorrow upon sorrow. And I want to be sure that you get this this morning. So you see, I think a lot of people falsely believe that worship is the absence of any type of sorrow. And that, that's not what worship is. Worship is not the absence of sorrow. Worship is choosing to worship God through our sorrow. Even in times of sorrow, we have the choice of worshiping God. Remember the scripture that I referenced earlier Paul tells us to rejoice always. He doesn't say rejoice when it's going good for you. Always means always. Even in times that maybe are going far less than ideal for us. We, we have the option to rejoice. And I'm going to tell you, as Christians, we are expected to rejoice. We are expected to worship. And I wonder... When things happen in your personal life, will you make the choice to worship? And I pray that the answer is yes. I pray that the answer is yes. Verse 28, Paul says here, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. Paul expects to send him back. 
But I want to make sure that you understand what's happening here. This man named Epaphroditus was sent by the Philippian church to minister to Paul. Now Paul is going to send Epaphroditus back to minister to the Philippians. And I want to make sure that you caught or that you understand this morning that at times you'll be the one that ministers. But there's going to be times that you need to be ministered to. It works both ways. It works both ways. That's, that's the way it's intended to worship, to work. Now, finally, as we, as we close out our text this morning, Paul makes it clear how these Philippians are to receive this man when he gets back to them. Paul is saying in these verses, don't, don't receive him as some type of sick, weak person. That's not the way I want you to receive him. Instead, receive him with all joy and honor. You're supposed to honor such men because he nearly died for the work of Christ. Paul's saying here, receive him as what he is. Receive him as a hero. Do not receive him as some type of weak, sick person. And you know, if you have been following Jesus for very long, and I know many of you have, many of you have been following Jesus for years, you will know that at times the load is heavy. At times the burden that you carry as Christians is heavy for people that you know are not believers, that you know are on their way to hell. At times the road is long. But let me tell you, I want you to hear this morning that if our eyes are on Christ, it is worth it. It is worth it. The effort, but I want to encourage you to always make sure in in the areas that you're serving, be sure that Christ has called you to serve in that area, and if so, He will bless it. He will bless it. But it's awfully easy just to serve because a spot is available, and that usually doesn't work good. And as we end today, I, I, I want to try to sing a song. This is not the invitation, but the Lord used this song many years ago to grab my attention. And at that point in my life, I was, I was at a different church, and I was serving in a variety of capacities, and I was neglecting. Or let's just say I was serving for the wrong reasons. And that was not the will of God in Christ Jesus for me. I will say that. And God used this song to grab my attention. And I want you to listen this morning as I sing this. It's a song that it just simply asks the question, would I know you now? We'll switch to this microphone. What this song is portraying is that it is really easy to get to the point where we are serving, 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 that we're doing good things after good things after good things. We can be so busy doing good things for the Lord that we neglect the presence of the Lord in our lives. And when that happens, it's not a good thing. It is not a good thing. The song asks the question, would I know you now?
if Jesus were just to quietly come in this sanctuary right now and just quietly sit down on a seat, would I recognize that I was in the presence of the Almighty? Or, or am I so busy doing good things that I wouldn't realize that I was in his presence? So, so listen to the song, Would I Know You Now? Would I know you now If you walked into the room If you steal the crowd If your light dispel the gloom And if I saw your wounds, touched your thorn-pierced brow, I wonder, would I know you? Or have the images that I've painted so distorted who you are that even if the world was looking, they could not see you. The real you Have I changed Your true reflection To fulfill my own design Making you what I want Not showing you forth divine Would I know you now if you walked into this place? Would I cause you shame? Would my games be your disgrace? upon my face I wonder would I know you now
morning, the, the invitation is really simple. I want you to evaluate your lives right now. Make sure that you know that if your life were to end right now, that your eternity would be spent in heaven with Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And there's just, there's just two answers to that question. Either yes, it will be, or no, it will not be. And if the answer for you to know is no this morning, that you're not sure that you would have your eternity in heaven with Jesus, I want you to come forward this morning. I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And as I say practically every Sunday, I truly do believe it is as easy to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior as we teach children in vacation Bible school that it is. The ABCs of Christianity, we've got to admit that we're a sinner, that there is something called sin present in our life that has caused a separation between us and Jesus Christ. We've got to admit that we're a sinner. We've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that Jesus came to this earth, lived a life on this earth that contained absolutely no sin, that He loved us so much that He was willing to go to that cross that we've been talking about today and give His life so that we could have eternal life. We've got to, be, we've got to believe that then we've also got to believe that he actually died. He was buried. He was placed in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the tomb. That's why we celebrate Easter. We've got to believe that. And then the C is probably the hardest. I would say it is the hardest of all three of those steps. But the C stands for confess. We've got to confess that Jesus is Lord, but part of that confession step involves repenting and turning from a life of sin and following Jesus instead. That's the most difficult of the three steps, but it is so very worth it. I wonder this morning, do you know him today? Whatever the need is, I pray that you will come. Perhaps there are people here today that would like to unite with this church, with membership here. I encourage you to come forward. Whatever the need is, I pray that you'll come and lay it at the feet of Jesus. He is, he is capable and sufficient to meet every need. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for the four examples of humility that we've seen in chapter 2 of Philippians. Father, we, we acknowledge that you gave us the ultimate example when you were willing to go to that cross and die for us. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. And Father, now I pray that that during this time, that people will evaluate their lives. Lord, I pray that if there is a person here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that this will be the day that they'll be saved. Father, I pray that we will leave this place proclaiming we have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Father, I pray that if there's decisions that need to be made here this morning, 
whatever those decisions are, Lord, I pray that this will be the day that burdens are laid at your feet. And it's in your name I pray.